Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're going to be talking about why am I never enough? You know, it's really amazing because parental messaging, especially in childhood, even, even without qualifying as a disorder, can really strongly impact the feelings of inadequacy, leaving the, you know, the wake and the message of never being enough in their children. And this is especially true if one or both parents were on the spectrum of narcissistic attitudes and behaviors. And parents with narcissistic traits often cannot adequately provide empathy, unconditional love, and acceptance of their children. And that healthy attachment and secure separation and individuation is strictly in our human lives based on experiencing these same qualities unconditional of a child's performance. That's why it's so important that parenting, we try our best to center our lives around our children. You know, an image-oriented worldview based on how things look, especially to others, does not tolerate authenticity and imperfection. It also is intolerant of people associated with those characteristics especially in this tribal culture that we live in. And, and learning and growing and developing children are particularly vulnerable to fear, to shame, especially after COVID, and feelings of abandonment of not measuring up. And so a legacy of unmet emotional and developmental needs is often expressed behaviorally by trying to please and looking to others for cues of how to be good enough, how to be accepted, how to be loved, without which the foundation of self-esteem and self-reliance is severely compromised. Many of, of, of hoarders and uh, conquered the, you know, uh, reports struggling with questions like, why do I feel unlovable? Why do I never feel good enough? Why do I feel so empty? Why do I always second guess and doubt myself? And unfortunately, this is on the rise in our world. And they know they want to feel better and sincerely yearn to find better ways to live life that they want without piles and pathways. But, you know, hoarders in their internal messages continue to repeat voices from the past that chide them with, with variations of piles and pathways are stronger than you, and they basically build a fort around themselves. Now, I'm not saying that anybody that has this never enough uh, uh, thought process is going to be a hoarder, but hoarders do share that sense of being, and that manifests itself in all kinds of different ways in people in our culture, in our society, in our realm of friendship, in our realm of family, and maybe within the realm of ourselves. And often, these people have accepted and internalized those damaging messages for so long that they have voiced over undermining negative parental messaging in their head. A narrative has been planted that has absolutely biased research on what they are as a person. And every time that they see themselves as never enough, they hoard that, they collect that as evidence to prove that they're never enough, never enough. And then eventually that becomes how they operate in their life 
and it dictates a lot of the outcomes that they have, especially if they get married or in a relationship. And then they will project that or often it may actually already be manifested in their partner who also believes that they're never enough because that person has come with that narrative already. And so they will reinforce that because of their own insecurity about themselves. So they'd rather make you wobble than them wobble. You know, work starts with supporting people who fill their internal void with self-compassion, acceptance, and not things. Things can cause a lot of problem. They learn that, that, that the feelings of shame and self-blame do not mean that they're shameful and that no one will ever accomplish anything difficult by thinking less about themselves. And this helps people in this position to stop shaming themselves by voicing over messages of their internal critics inside themselves and undermines them. You know, messages like you get yourself organized and just do a little bit every day, you know, disenfranchise the overwhelmed. And it takes real courage and determination to persevere over taking over your life and taking over your narrative and replacing it with a positive narrative that I am enough. I'm always enough. The only person that I have to justify being enough for is myself. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people who are perfectionists. And here's uh, from novelist Anne Lamont is a beautiful quote. Perfectionism is the voice of uh, the oppressor, the enemy of the people. It will keep you cramped and insane your whole life. And so you have to find yourself asking, when will what I do be enough? And you wonder, how do I know if I'm happy just settling to be comfortable? You know, you catch yourself constantly striving for more, more money, more stuff, more beauty, more brains, more awards, more validation, more love, more sex. You know, but no matter how much you get, you never know if what you desire will help you become your best self or just drive you further down the dissatisfying road of perfectionism. And so, you know, the journey of perfectionism uh, is very messy. Every once in a while, you know, when you least expect it, your own professionalistic motivations creep up on you and they come into play most when you're making decisions, when you're working, when you're interacting with other people. And it's that feeling of perfectionism that you get when you expect things to, of yourself that you never expect from other people. That means expectations are far too high. And if you're going to set a negative uh, expectation that's far too high, you're going to develop a negative narrative about yourself. That is, you are betraying yourself. You are self-tabotaging. Those are the narratives that happen. And those are deep cuts that we make upon ourselves. You know, But you may want to limit your options because you believe you'll be unable to handle the outcome of your choices. And if they happen to be negative, especially, that is going to pile on to you. So allowing perfectionism to run the show is like being on a, on a hamster wheel. You just keep going and going and going. And even after you've reached your original goal, you increase the stakes even more and go even faster. So when you accomplish something, you wonder if you could have done better. So there's never any full gratification. You know, life is not measured on perfectionism. Life is measured on what is needed. What is needed? That is most important. If you're going to be a perfectionistic parent, please understand the only thing that you can reach is good enough. 
That's the best we can be as a parent. We cannot be perfect. We cannot be perfect. We are not meant to be perfect in this life. And that is a problem that a lot of people don't understand. You know, and and so that feeling and thinking of a perfectionistic sense of being, you know, our culture puts a ton of pressure on us to be perfect because we we say that we're going to do that within ourselves. And so culture will reinforce that. People will reinforce that perfectionism and begin to expect that of you. And we're made to feel as if there's something wrong with us or if we're still single by a certain age or don't make a certain amount of money or don't have a big social media following or don't have children by now or, or don't look you know a certain way. In the midst of all that pressure, it's easy to forget all the great, unique things about ourselves. And there are a number of great things about all people. You know, many of people uh, are, are frustrated because no matter how hard they try, they still feel like nothing they do is good enough. Even after all the external successes they've achieved, they still aren't happy and they aren't sure why. And here is the funny thing about happiness. Happiness means that you are happy with what you have. You appreciate what you have. You relish what you have. You don't keep looking down the road of what you can gain because what you can gain is more debt, more responsibilities, more confusion, more complications, more coping with life and less living life. And that's what people who are perfectionistic end up doing. They end up never feeling good enough, and then they also end up feeling as if they are a failure and is the, as if anything they have in life is never good enough. Therefore, they're coping with life and not even emotionally attached to living the life. You know, perfectionism stays alive when you look at, for other people to give you worth, you know, and the deal is people don't think about you that much. You got to realize that. Most people realize that somewhere towards their midlife crisis, they look around at their parents, they look around at their friends, they look around at everyone else in their life, their coworkers, and they realize, I'm really not on your mind that much, maybe a few seconds in a day, barely enough to worry about. And so the bottom line is, if you realize that, you stop centering your life on other people. Oh, I'm a giver. Well, givers are also people who never feel like they give enough because they don't give to themselves. And now at that point that you realize that these people are not that important, you have to turn inward and start developing what's called character. And character is the ability to make decisions. And the more decisions you make, the more you actually teach people how to love you. That is important. And a lot of people are very indecisive simply because they're afraid of being accepted and their decisions being accepted by other people. But it's important to understand that all of us understand we're all different, but we need to look at ourselves as good and we need to look at ourselves as stable. We need to look at ourselves as not comparing us to one another or someone else like us, we need to compare ourselves to ourselves. Am I what I want myself to be? And we need to have a clear vision of what that looks like because now we have a way to direct our life. But that does not mean that we are going to be perfectionists. We're not going to go for perfect. What we're going to go for is happy, peaceful, enjoy life, relish each moment, 
live in this moment, not the past, not the future, right here and connect with the people in my life. Live as if you have no past and you have no future. This moment and stay there. The more we can do that, the more we understand what it is to live this life and develop our character. You know, it's it's deceptive because other people can't make you feel like enough. And, and that's a decision you have to make for yourself. What's enough and not enough and how far you need to go are more effective when they're determined by your inner values, your passion, your purpose. That's what we want to focus on. Our life is not about us. It's about others and those people seeking us for what we know and what we are willing to do and what we're willing to provide. Our life helps other people by us reaching inside ourselves and doing hard things in the life to make our life easier, to function and accept and will ourselves to actually commit to doing hard things in life to make our life easier. That is so important to understand, but that is never perfectionistic. Let's just say you were deciding to be a medical doctor. Do you think you're going to be a perfect doctor? Do you think you're going to get the right diagnosis every time? No matter how many years of school you go, no matter how many certified education units you get after that is not going to make you a perfect doctor. You have to understand that you will have to, uh, to integrate yourself into the idea that you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And that's the way life is. And we have to accept that. But our goal is more important of our intention to help. Intentions are more important. That is where forgiveness is. And that's where we all have to land. And that's what we all have to examine. Not outcomes, intentions, not outcomes. If you go for intentions and you study the process leading to a bad decision, then you're going to be able to understand what forgiveness is about. Because most of us are well-intended with lots of bad outcomes. And that's just the way life is. You know, there's also an alternative to the endless cycle of looking for personal fulfillment through grand accomplishments, you know, and, and you want to put that, that, that an end to that cycle of perfectionism, knowing who you are and what you value is vital. Once you get that down, you can make the decision to be enough in every situation you face. What can I give? So here's boundaries. What I can do and what I can't do. Here's what I can do and here's what I can't do. And by doing that, you are moving from a perfectionistic strategy to catering your life to what you're good at and what you have worked to do and what you can do and the, and the leaps of faith that you can take in your life. You know, you need to change your mindset. You know, our, our mindset is our philosophy. And it contains our ideas and our views about life, which come from our previous experiences and our perceptions of the world. And we all have to understand that each of us has different perceptions of truth. And if you actually step back and try, stop trying to be right and stop trying to be so analytical, what you might understand is these perceptions also have truths to offer you. And the better you are as a listener, especially in a marriage, or especially if you have children, the better you're going to grow. We grow by becoming good listeners and curious enough about other people's perceptions 
of the truth. And that means we're not willing, we're not looking to judge them. We're not looking to debate them. We're looking to understand them, which is called compassion. And compassionate people live a very full and rich life. You know, our our perception becomes our reality. And so creating a good enough mindset that isn't filled with unrealistic expectations will help you cultivate a sense of well-being. Let's talk about this in a sense of Socratic learning. So the philosophers used to sit on the steps of the Acropolis in Athens. And what they would do is each of them would talk about a topic, but each of them had their own perceptions. And each of them were wise enough to understand that there would be enough of a grain of truth in other people's knowledge that they could take that and assimilate that knowledge into their own knowledge. And so sometimes there'd be things they disagreed with and there'd be things they did agree with. And the more we are Socratic in our life, the better off our life will be and the more wisdom we will have and the more intelligence we will operate by. But that's not perfectionism. That is called experiential learning. And that's what life is about. And the other part that that most people forget that is the most exciting part of living is called exploratory dialogue, where we're exploring possibilities. And when people do that in life, that's not a perfectionistic strategy. That's not a never enough strategy. That's understanding what we want to do that is meaningful for us. And when we are willing to discuss possibilities, that is the most creative part of our spirit. That is a part of our soul. That is a part of who we are. And the more we embellish that, the greater our life becomes and the richer our relationships become. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to move on and talk about why am I never enough? So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who were widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, 
please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about why am I never enough? You know, the great modern philosopher Bob Marley uh, once said that every relationship you will ever have will hurt you. However, we choose who to suffer for. And what is really important about that is we, a part of the deepest part of love in our life is suffering for another and others suffering for us. Now, does that mean we're all going to be a bunch of whiners and sit around and just whine? No, it means empathy and compassion for pain. That doesn't mean we're going to buy it. It just means that we are offering a sense of understanding so that that person knows that they're not alone in their pain. That's a huge part of people's healing. And and what we have to understand is there's nothing perfectionistic. There is nothing about failure in that. There's nothing about never being enough in that. That is where our spirit meets our spirit. The international language of all human beings in this life is compassion for one another. Nothing is about being right. Nothing in this world that is important is about being enough. We're never enough. There's always a desire for something more in us, but that needs to come from within us and not be impressed and pressed on other people. We want to build self-reliance. You aren't born with self-reliance. You gain it through trials and errors while you go through life making your own decisions. And that, my friend, is called the will to power. That is a philosopher called Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche, who was an atheist. But Fred and he eventually went crazy. And Hitler took his theory and look what Hitler did. However, the theory itself and the philosophy itself is actually very good. Will to power means you focus on what you want and you gain it through trials and errors. And it's a work in progress always. It's not about outcomes. It's about a work in progress that continuously evolves. That's how we create a life. You know, we develop self-confidence when we decide to think for ourselves and move forward with your decisions without living apologetically and looking at other people to determine whether or not we're right or wrong. There is no right and wrong. There is our perception of what is right and wrong. People who act with self-reliance feel more control in their environment. They have more character. People know how to love them. And feeling this way is an important ingredient of well-being. And people will make room for you. You have to understand that. But you may have to decide to move to a room where people are smarter than you. You may have to decide to move to a room where people are more emotionally stable than you are. That might be a good thing. If you can't find that in your marriage, if you can't find that with your children, then find it in your friends so that you can have some place, some place that can you can draw on for inner strength. You know, when what you do is in line with what you believe, your self-esteem, your happiness will always grow. Unfortunately, some people will do what's easy rather than what's right. 
They will always fall to the easy, mediocre, to the bottom line, to whatever they just have to do to function. However, when we do what's right, we have character. We have a will. We're not living as a try. Oh, I'll try. You know, you're going to try to be married. You're going to try to raise your kids. No, you will be married. You will raise your kids and you stay there. You stay in your commitments. That builds self-reliance. That builds character. That builds integrity. Do what's right. That's what we do for God. We try to do what's right. Let's do what's right in our life for us. Let's do what's let's fill our tank so we can help fill everybody else's. But we have to fill ours first. And that is self-reliance. You know, to 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 the, the more you do for yourself, the better you feel. The better you feel, the more confident you'll become, and the less compelled you'll you you'll feel to be perfect all the time. You also have to learn to let go. And sometimes that's the willingness to accept an apology that you never get. You know, try to let go of whatever it is that's holding you back from accepting who you are. You know, you probably realize that you aren't what other people say you are. You aren't the pain. You're not your past. You're not just your emotions. Emotions are just emotions. They're meant to emote. They're meant to be vented. They're not meant to live in. You know, it's usually it, the problem is people like to think they can logically control emotions. And so they keep piling on logic on an emotion and they exacerbate it into into a, 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 a hurricane. You know, it's really sad, but people do that. They feed it by trying to justify their feelings. You don't justify feelings. You feel. That's it. Just feel and let it go. That's what's supposed to happen with emotions. The other thing is you have to make your own decisions. Start making your own decisions. If you want to get away from why am I never enough, make your own decisions and stand behind them. It isn't necessary to share every problem you encounter with everyone in your life. What you need to do is make decisions and change them if they're not what you need. You know, adapt. People do this to get advice, to be told what they need to do and pass their anxiety on to other people. Well, if we have to ask 50,000 people what, what we're going to do, 50,000 people are probably going to give us different answers. And the bottom line is we already know what the answer is. We're just afraid to take responsibility for it. And so we will do what other people tell us, and then it's their fault. You know, that is no way to live. Stand your ground. Make your own decisions. You'll recognize it. Nobody else has the answers. People are not in your shoes. People don't understand all the conditions. People don't understand the environment. People don't understand the personalities involved. You do. So make the decision based on your judgment and understand I have good intentions. I'm trying to do what's right. I want to do what's right. So do what's right. You know, people who don't feel good enough always look to others to make decisions for them. And you just know just as much as everyone else. In fact, you know more than others do about what's right for you. You, above all people, know what's right for you. And remember, you can't hate your way to accepting yourself. Convincing yourself of what a failure you are will never make any situation better. And repeating to yourself that you'll never live up to your potential certainly won't lead you to reach it. But maybe your potential is different than what other people wanted for you, you know? And it's important for you to remember that you are enough just as you are. And the more you practice that, the more you'll believe it. And you also have to make peace. And what is peace? Well, peace 
is acceptance. That's all it is with the now before you feel satisfied with the later. Be happy with what you have and then make it better. Embellish it. Evolve it. And don't have great expectations. Have excitement when things start to fall into place. Do the best you can. In this life, the greatest strength we have is to influence. We are not going to control outcomes. Influence. If we were working with other people, if we're working in this world, everything is about influence, you know, and that is where our true power is. The more influential we are, we have to be decisive. We have to be our own person if we're going to influence other people. You know, we can't feel totally satisfied with where we're going until we accept, acknowledge, and appreciate where we are. So make peace with where you are. Let your journey towards something new make you feel more peaceful, rewarding, and satisfying. You know, if you're sitting in jail, make the best of that time to prepare for your future later on. And maybe you can influence other people in the jail. Maybe you can make friends there and may impact other people's lives. Maybe that's where you need to be to impact other people's lives. And maybe when you get out, you will carry that forward into society. You know, do you methodically look for evidence that you're a nobody that you don't deserve acceptance or that you aren't living up to your potential, especially of your partner? You know, if so, you know, don't demoralize and demean yourself, you know, and don't accept demoralization and demeaning people. If they can't accept your perception of the truth, whose problem is that? Theirs. Whose emotions? Who decides their own emotions? We all do. Do you control how other people feel? No. Can you accept how other people feel? Yes, that is freeing in life. I'm not responsible for how you feel, no matter how much you want to make me responsible for how you feel. You choose to feel the way you feel. That's that. You know, it, it will be better serve you to focus on progress rather than perfection and how far you've come instead of how far you've left to go. You know, if you think about it, it's really, really important for us to understand that life is a process. It's not an outcome. That's why we have to be, I will live my life. I will feel emotion. I will do what's right. I will function in this life to the best of my ability. I will get to know myself well enough to know what my spirit has to give other people, what knowledge my brain is capable of to help other people's lives, what my passions can serve other people. You know, experiencing feelings of inferiority and adequacy, uh, worthlessness, and just not feeling enough can be immensely challenging and really stifles a person's life to the point that they are just coping with existing, you know, uh, uh, you know, and then you load on an ongoing challenge to that person's life when they think they're just treading water and they feel like they're going to drown. They get overwhelmed very quickly. People that say, I'm never enough. You know, you, you hear people share their experiences of not feeling good enough, whether it's surrounding your work, your roles in life, reaching your, your goals, your ability to connect with or make meaningful relationships or a deeply seated feeling of not being enough after experiences of suppression, oppression and trauma. These feelings can lead to several challenges. That's why you have to un unattach your identity, detach your identity from your boss, from your spouse, from your children, from 
all the people in the world and what they think about you. And you have to establish your own identity and your own place in this world. And hopefully it's peaceful and beautiful and filled with spirit and passion and purpose. You know, in, in, in addition to impacting the way we view ourselves, uh, unclouding the mirror is, is like self-affirmations. Using something like that can be valuable to improving your motivation, your performance, your focus, concentration, maybe even your health, maybe even your relationships. You know, self-affirmations, meaning I'm validating myself, I'm accepting myself, can have a powerful way of helping us connect with ourselves. But that means we have to use I statements instead of you statements. That means we have to be actually responsible for all of our choices in life and responsible for the impact, negative, positive, or neutral, that they have on other people. You know, that's just the way this goes in life. But, you know, we're all trying to do what we can to do the best thing. You know, Uh, remember, you know, when the question surfaces about am I good enough, you know, your worth does not depend on, on if you feel or not. Meet yourself with compassion and kindness. And you also want to participate in activities of, of self-affirmation. You know, a, a simple thing could be you might get involved in, in writing positive notes to yourself on sticky notes that can be placed somewhere else uh, or somewhere around you during your day that you run into. Or maybe you have a spouse and maybe both of you decide to write wonderful self-affirming notes about each other and stick it on the mirror while you're shaving or when you're brushing your teeth or whatever you're doing. Maybe we should do that for each other to help each other make each other's day better. You know, that makes us surround our strengths. Affirmations like you can do uh, remind you of your potential. You know, other things like what whatever you write should be personally meaningful to you and help remind you of your positive characteristics, your strengths, your abilities, your accomplishments, your values. You know, seeking support, especially if you're in a crisis and you're overwhelmed and you have a low self-esteem, getting outside yourself when you have this I'm never good enough mentality, maybe getting a therapist might be a good thing. You know, remember, you're not alone. I know you think you're alone. I know you think you're in a one less or down You know, I'm not as valuable as other people in my life. I'm not as valuable as my spouse. I'm not as valuable as my kids. I'm not as valuable from my parents. They don't value me. They value my siblings. You know, whatever the dialogue is, the narrative you have about yourself, detach from it. You're valuable because you're valuable. You're valuable because you're a beautiful person and you have a spirit. And your spirit has one language, and that's compassion. Compassion for you and compassion for other people. And if you live through your spirit, you're going to find that life is not nearly as complicated as our brain would like to make it. You know, uh, you want to explore your feelings when you have a low self-esteem, when you have this, I'm never good enough. When you have the thought that you're not good enough, what, what feelings do you experience? Maybe you feel overwhelmed or despondent. Maybe you feel scared or anxious or insecure. You know, maybe maybe you feel jealous. Maybe you acknowledge and sit with those emotions and just say, okay, this is where I'm starting. Also, you want to explore that inner critic that is really tearing you down. Get to know that part of you that tells you you're not good enough. And ask this part what it's afraid of. 
and what it wants and needs and longs for. Maybe it longs for independence or acceptance. Maybe it longs for appreciation or security. Maybe it longs for purpose or wholeness. Wouldn't it be beautiful if those things were ingredients you brought to your life rather than all this nasty critical thinking and this perfectionistic ideals? You know, I also take a breath or two with each need that you've identified is important to you as a part of you. And, and, and it's really important. You know, let's say the need is belonging. You know, focus on what it feels like when your need of belonging is met. Remember a time that you felt like you belonged, you know? It's it's a beautiful thing to understand that you actually in this life are needed by others. You just have to allow yourself to be needed by others. And going back to the Bob Marley quote, suffering with and for other people can be a very gratifying, very enriching experience as far as understanding how we can actually grow as a person and become a safe harbor for everybody in our life and become a part of other people's lives. That's where relationships hit the rubber meets the road, suffering. I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds depressing, but this life is tough. And when we're there for each other like that, that's what we're meant to be. That's where our inner strengths are, you know? You know, you you actually might actually join like a therapy group or some kind of church group or a small group or what whatever. It's great to be able to build networks. You know, there's a neat little application called Meetup, um, and Meetup is really really cool because there's all kinds of different things where people just get together because they have common interests. They like to hike. They like to do a sport. Maybe they like to do board games. Maybe they like to to talk about you know, philosophies or whatever, languages, whatever, but they get together and they do that. And then they build friendships from that. And after COVID, that's been a beautiful thing that's happened. All right, we're going to take another break and we're going to come back and talk about why am I never enough? So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about why am I never enough? Now, let's talk about those dirty little things called spouses. You know, spouses love to take your negative narrative and take you down because then they can always feel like they're in a stronger position and have control of the relationship. Narcissists love to do that. They love to have codependent partners who feel like they're never enough. That's a beautiful thing for them because that means the whole life can, that that person can become their own personal object that they can manipulate in any way, shape, form, or fashion. You know, if you think that nothing you do is ever good enough for you, you are a perfectionist. Now that's talking about yourself. For you, you are a perfectionist with extremely high standards for yourself. You know, like as a teen and a, a young adult, you may have had issues with your body image, with your anxiety, with something you jokingly called OCD, but, uh, you know, really probably was OCD, but you, you, you may have been on antidepressants for depression, you know, you know, you have to understand that although you moderate these things, your kids and your spouse are actually going to take on those narratives if you carry them into the relationship. If you believe all these negative things about yourself, you're going to not accept compliments. You know, it'd be a wonderful thing if a person gave you a compliment and you just said thank you so they wouldn't have to work so hard and be so discouraged. People that I'm never good enough think they're never good enough for a compliment. So. Thank you. Can't you just do that? Thank you. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing if someone actually accepted your compliment? They they think you have some other motive, but that's not what it is. They just see something in you and they want you to recognize it, but you won't do it because nothing's ever good enough for you. You know, if you, the other problem is if you have a spouse and you don't ask for what you really want, you know, if you if you have a household project and you really want them to to do it the way you want it to be done, that's fine. But you just said, I will only be happy if I do it, if you do it this way and exactly the way I tell you. Well, people are different. They have different paths. They have different methods. They have different processes. And even your spouse is not going to do it the way you exactly want it. It's just not always in the cards. And if you're going to make that expectation a part of the process, nobody's going to want to ever deal with you. If you are a spouse who lays this on your partner to do it just the way you want in your own narcissistic little world, the problem is you're being too selfish. You're not allowing a person to be their own person and to arrive at conclusions their own way. You know, allowing your spouse to understand you know, why they don't do what you want to do, that you're never going to be satisfied, that you're able to wonder why you need to be, do it your own way. I can only do this because I can only do it right. You know, what is that? What is that? That's about doing, do, do, do. Is that who you are? All about what you do? Can it be about who you are? 
wouldn't it be amazing if we actually put more weight into who we are rather than what we do? That would be amazing. You know, nothing is ever good enough uh, in a marriage when, when you grew up. If you came up with that model where your parents were never good enough for each other or one or the other, uh, you're going to take that on into your life unless you're smart enough to divorce yourself of that philosophy. You know, if there's a dynamic where one partner was always dissatisfied with their spouse, which included, you know, uh, uh, sometimes and often even the kids, uh, you've likely internalized that in a way that now relationships are always about the idea of never good enough. Not a good thing to grow up with and not a good thing to manifest as a legacy for your children. You know, if 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 you believe that it, this person doesn't love me on a deep level because they don't do things exactly the way I want them, do you think that's a good expectation? No, we need to convert all of our expectations, all of our godlike thoughts into preferences. Once again, life is about influencing preference. I prefer that you did this. I would prefer you did that. I prefer we did this. I prefer we spent time with this. I prefer you and I had a better relationship. I prefer this. You know, guess what? You're teaching other people how to love you when you communicate preferences. So if you never feel like you're good enough, maybe you'll discover that people actually want to meet you where you're at because you actually communicated your preferences. You're not forcing them there, but you're teaching them how to love you. That's a great thing to have in life. You know, if you have a partner that's passive, passive people can also often uh, be looked at as weak and then never do anything wrong. And so people that are more alpha-oriented, leadership-oriented, have a tendency to take a passive person and just completely destroy their self-esteem. And that's never a good thing. You know, you need to take a passive person and understand that you want to influence them to do what you need and not force them to do what you need. But that's where we get into this, I'm never good enough dialogue, or you're never good enough. Why don't we convert all of our accusations to I instead of you or they? I, take responsibility for your part. That would be a beautiful thing if you did that proactively in this life. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't. You know, uh, 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 if you idolize other marriages while you're with your spouse and you and your spouse have this, you're never good enough thing going on. What's going to happen is you're going to look at other marriages as if they're perfect. You're going to compare yourselves to that. And then you're never good enough because these people are better than us. And that means that they have something they can teach us. And then our marriage can become their marriage. Well, guess what? Their marriage has problems too. Their marriage has dynamical issues. Their marriage has dissatisfactions also. So idolizing other marriages is never a good idea. And unfortunately, people sit on Facebook all day long looking at each other's fake lives. And they think that's the way it is. That's not the way it is. That is a facade. We're all facades hiding our soul. We are all personalities and egos that operate in this world 
as an image of what we've created. We all have to understand that. And there's good things involved in us learning things about life, us learning from each other, us gaining wisdom, us understanding how to make life better, us serving purposes and passions. But the deepest need of all of us is somebody who can meet us at our pain. That is where the rubber meets the road. You know, uh, uh, also, there's this thing called maternal gatekeeping. And it's when you secretly want to be the primary best caregiver. So you tell your, your spouse that they do everything wrong and you'll do it yourself. So this goes along well until you realize that you are actually pretty overwhelmed, pretty exhausted, and you need some help. And at that point, it becomes obvious that your spouse doesn't know the most basic things about how uh, your house works or how your children are. You know, if you introspect, are, are you uh, colluding in this dumbing down of your spouse? Well, it happens all the time. And then you complain about them because they don't do anything. Well, they don't do anything because you perfectionistically push them away, wanting to be the best caregiver of all. That destroys marriages. Unfortunately, people go down that path and diminish their partner and diminish what they have to offer. Also, you know, uh, people that are unhappy overall, if you're depressed or you're anxious or you're irritable and stressed, whatever else, which is usually caused by disrespect or fear, nothing is good enough because nothing is good. So that philosophy can really hurt people's lives. So we have to take on some skills to try to understand that we can will our way out of feeling like crap. And that is a very, very important aspect. You know, uh, uh, there's a lot of negative things that we can take on in life and take on their dialogues and take along, you know, the narratives that they give us. But we have to stop and and learn the early signs of a one-way relationship that may help you avoid heartbreak and build stronger connections. Having someone who values and cares for your feelings is good, but the benefits can go way beyond that. And we have to do a better job in all of our relationships at meeting each other on an emotional level, allowing each other to vent feelings, allowing each other to validate feelings, but not fix feelings. And the more we do that first in all of our relationships, including our marriage and our children and our spouse or our siblings and our friends, the more we validate feelings and understand feelings, the better we're going to conclude logic. However, people that can't accept feelings and want to take your feelings away are going to destroy the ability for both of you to come to conclusions to help each other and compromises that help each other's lives. Relationships are very complex, and sometimes we may uh, give but not get much in return, and things can get tricky. If the other person doesn't care about your feelings, sometimes you may not realize this until you're hurt. And so before you get to that point, it may help to learn some types of signs that someone doesn't care about you or the relationship. And it may also help to explore whether you tend to establish this, this type of relationship often. You know, certain signs that someone may not value you or your relationship are very easy to spot. A common one is not asking you about your feelings, about your life, about what's important to you. This can look different depending on a relationship. Uh, the, the, you know, they may check in and hear your ideas on certain projects at work, for example, or they might organize a gathering and leave you out, even when you're part of the team, or they may spend all the time talking about themselves 
and never get to you. And that is a normal, unfortunate thing that is toxic in this life. And we have to learn to identify and say, I don't need toxic. I don't need to be a part of that. But if it's a part of your job, at at least you may keep your job, but you stand back and go, I'm not going to take that in. That's their deal. That's not my deal. You know, this feeling may be literal in the way that it interrupts you, you know, from from often uh, feeling you notice that you have with when you're around other people. If you're going to surround yourself with negative people, you will become a negative person. You know, uh, uh, it's really important. Don't value a mutuality. There is no fairness. There is no justice in life. Fair is a place where they judge pigs. That's it. There is no fair. That's not going to happen. Not in this life. So looking for mutuality, we have to learn to do what's called ebb and flow. Just like the the, the waves that hit the shore, it's high tide, it's low tide, but we ebb and we flow with each other. That's called equifinality. Very important for us to do that in life. And that is the only uh, idea of how to function. If we're going to go down the path of trying to control each other and look for mutuality and equality, it's not going to happen. You know, also ingredients of people that are toxic, they fail to show any interest or curiosity in you or your life. You know, they have a different agenda for a relationship than you do. They don't ever seek you or or uh, or your opinion or they ignore the impact of your act of their actions on you and they don't respond to your request to change their behavior. In some cases, these actions don't mean much if they happen once in a while, but it may be the other person is having a tough day and needs some support. Okay, that's okay. You know? So, you know, one of the greatest response in life is to go when somebody does something stupid to you or when somebody misspeaks to go are you okay and legitimately i'm concerned are you okay cuz that doesn't sound like you that reminds the person to become the better person also you know if if, if you uh uh, look at yourself and look at maybe an ex in a relationship and compare how your life is with an ex. That's never a good thing either. And, and so trying to look at your life and compare it to other people, they're on their own journey. They're going to do their own thing. They have their own problems. They have their own issues to have to deal with. Trust me, focus on what you have. Focus on peace. Focus on happiness and accepting what you have, where you are, and working your way into a process that will make it better. Influencing other people, asking for help. These are all great things that make us better people. All right. That's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I love hearing from you, and you could do that at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment and Health and Wellness Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, If you're not yelling at your kids, you're not spending enough time with them. Also, if you're able to complain about what you put in their lunch, you're old enough. They're old enough to make it if they're going to complain about it. Also, don't take life too seriously. You won't get out alive. One last thing, and this is from Lao Tzu. He that accepts that enough is enough will always have enough. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 